The ride out of the southern district and over the border into the eastern wilds was a pleasant one, especially on horseback. It had taken Nathan Bowman less than half an hour at full gallop to leave his district behind, and he had now slowed to a light canter as the cobbled streets and ramshackled housing gave way to dirt tracks and fields of corn and long grass. The sun was high in the air as noon came and went. More than once, Bowman stopped and let his horse drink from the occasional trough they passed. Riding on, he looked to the horizon where a collection of large, shimmering buildings jutted out of the fields. Magic was big business nowadays, and business was booming, apparently. Eventually, he found the trail which would take him to a nearby Eastern Watch outpost. Following it, he quickly found the outpost, and, dismounting, he walked into the small, four-room, single-storey building and up to the front desk. But no one came to welcome him. Craning his neck, he looked past the desk into the back office, also deserted. He called out, to no one apparently. He walked outside again, and then around the building to the rear yard but found no horses there. Perhaps they were all out on a big job, he thought. But what's so big it takes an entire outpost of watch to investigate? Especially out here. Scuffing his boots in the dirt, he noticed tracks. Reaching down, he felt the earth, loose but dry, no more than an hour old. Furrowing his brow, he saw the tracks led off in the same direction. Shrugging. He climbed back on his horse and began to follow them. They led away from the outpost, deeper into the eastern wilds territory. Eventually they moved off the main track and down towards the river. As he approached slowly he heard voices, concerned voices. Pulling around the corner he found five eastern watch surrounding a small wooden hut. They looked up at him and bid him halt as he rode. As he dismounted Nathan showed the nearest watchman a halfling woman, the steel baton in his belt, by way of identification. She nodded and seemed to breathe a sigh of relief. Oh, we were wondering when you were going to get here, she said quickly, showing her own baton. Found it about an hour ago. A couple of kids were... They were mucking around and they found it, actually. Then came running up to the outpost. Uh, found what? Bowman asked, following the halfling towards the hut. She ushered two more watch away from the door and put her hand on the door without opening it. Your Southern District watch ECU, right? She asked firmly. Nathan nodded, smelling the air and tasting a familiar metallic at the back of his mouth. His heart slowed as she opened the door. Walking inside, Nathan's elven eyes adjusted quickly to the gloom. The hut was bare, except for a large table at its centre. Cracks in the ceiling allowed a little light into the space. The smell, the taste of metallic, it was stronger here, much stronger. Looking around, Nathan walked to the centre of the hut, and reaching out, he touched the table. It was sticky. Pulling his hand back, he saw deep red paste on his fingertips. Blood, mixed with dirt. His eyes widened, and he looked around again. The walls, he had assumed, were dark wood, unbleached by the constant eastern sun. But he looked closer. Diversification indeed, he said aloud. The walls, and the table were painted thick with blood. An hour later, the hut was surrounded. After calling Nier and the rest of the ECU, it had taken them less than an hour to arrive on horseback, 
Seconds later, they were stunned by the hut's new decoration. The four of them stood in silence around the table, each facing a different sickly red wall. Diversification indeed, intoned Balassar. A bloody murder, responded Scribe. What do you think, Nathan? You getting anything? Bowman took a deep breath before turning to face the table, moving his hands over the surface without quite touching it. He looked back over his shoulder at the wall, and then at the opposite wall, and then finally to the door. He repeated this a couple of times before speaking. Here, he pointed at the table. The victim, and let's assume for a moment the two events are connected. They get pushed onto the table and held down with one hand. Then the killer strikes here and here. He pointed to two precise indents in the wooden surface, about four inches apart at the end of the table nearest the door. They want to keep an eye on the door, but they slice either side of the net with something sharp, really sharp, maybe a couple of feet long. Then the blood sprays onto these two walls here. Then they cut. They cut straight down the middle, spraying the roof and then the back wall when they reach the stomach. Neo raised her eyebrows as she watched Nathan closely. Then uh, there are a few more cuts, a precise fashion in spots that make it easier to take the skin off. That's the blood on the table. Then they drag the body and the skin out to the river, into the boat, and off to dump one of them or both of them. Balasar was now also studying the walls. These are brush strokes, Nathan. This is meticulous. Well, so he skins the poor bugger, and then he stops to paint the walls with his blood, asked Scribe, almost incredulously. There'd be no one around here that time of night, I bet. They'd have time. And we're assuming for a moment the victim, well, they may have been drugged or cursed, so not much noise. They'd definitely have time. We need to call this in, said Bowman quickly. We need everyone on this. This isn't a gang killing. It's too thought out. It is a message. Why not burn the hut down otherwise? Well, gangs leave messages. Yeah, but not like this, replied Scribe. This looks ritualistic, wouldn't you say, Balasar? The dwarf smirked and looked to the dragonborn, rubbing his thumb and forefinger together. The moment broke as they all laughed and retreated out of the cabin. Outside, Nia was reaching for her sound stick when she heard a high-pitched whirring noise emitting from the rod. The handle was glowing red, signalling an incoming message. Twisting the handle, they were greeted by Sherman's voice from between the soundstick's forks. Nia, I need Blue Unit back here right now. I don't care where you are, but I want you back here now. Streetwatch has found something. No, Chief. <laughs> We've got something here. We're already in the Eastern Wilds. We've got it covered. Nia explained, rolling her eyes to the other three. Bowman mouthed at her, policing by numbers, getting a smile in return. Eastern Wilds? Why the hell are you in the Eastern Wilds? Nia, they found a body. Here, in the Southern District. Another body. It's... Uh, it's a watchman. And that shut everyone up. The ride back to the Southern District was quiet, and took no time at all. The fields blurred into ramshackle buildings without anyone noticing. Sherman had given them the address, and soon they were standing alongside their chief and a couple of Southern District street watchmen, outside a small two-storey house. The wind had picked up, and Nathan shivered, feeling a light rain beginning to fall. Sherman led them inside. 
stepping into a modest lounge area complete with chairs and tables set up around a small fire pit in the centre of the room. Looking through into another adjoining room, Nathan saw a kitchen area, the pots and pans hung up tidily along the back wall. Sherman nodded towards the stairs, and they followed him up in single file. As they walked, Nathan's keen ears picked up a small, dripping sound, but he knew these houses rarely had indoor bathrooms. Emerging onto the landing, they walked into the front bedroom and stopped dead. Two sets of skin, one elven and one dragonborn, were laid out on the bed as if sleeping, knees pulled up slightly to the chest, the skins facing each other. Between them was a pool of blood, another drip, and Nathan looked up. A body had been pinned to the ceiling. A blade, around two feet long, had been driven up under the chin and through the top of the head. It kept the skin dragonborn body in place. Blood was dripping down the body and pooling on the bed between the skins. One of our own. Right here under our noses. In our backyard, muttered Sherman through gritted teeth. What exactly am I looking at here, detective? Nathan shook his head. <sighs> I have no idea. I mean, safe to say these are linked. It's weird. It's a statement, but with no message. If this is someone trying to play a game, where's the next clue? There's there's nothing. There's fucking nothing here. Nia cleared her throat and shot him a look. He continued, okay, not nothing, but look, I mean, there's nothing kicked over, there's no signs of a struggle, there's no signs of forced entry, everything's still here, look. He pointed to a chair in the corner of the room, belt, boots, hat, nothing's been stolen. Sherman turned to him. His wife called it in. He was on early morning, she worked days, she leaves at eight, he comes back about five, he gets back in from patrol around ten. Balassar looked up inspecting the blade still rooted in the skull of the watchman. This is about two feet long, Nathan, he muttered. I believe this could be the weapon used on the first victim. Nathan nodded and narrowed his eyes. He probably let the killer in. Maybe they knocked and then got in that way, and then they did this, he motioned to the bed, and then either cleaned up or left or... or... He trailed off and swayed on the spot, drawing his baton suddenly. Or what? asked Nia, instinctively drawing her own baton. Or oh, they're still here. Chief, don't let anyone leave. Nathan ran back to the landing and looking down, he saw just in time the door slam shut. Leaping forward, he cleared the banister and landed in the hallway, only to find two watchmen at the foot of the stairs, bleeding profusely from ugly wounds to the head. It's watch down, watch down! He shouted, stepping over them and throwing open the door. Looking right, he saw a figure running down the street, blue watch coat billowing in the wind behind them. Nathan took off, sprinting after the figure. Heart pounding in his ears, Bowman rounded a corner at the end of the street as the assailant leapt over a passing market cart. Nathan followed suit as they sprinted down another street and he realised where the attacker was heading as a large, tuning fork-shaped structure loomed ever closer, the Southern District Carriage Station. Darting past a gaggle of gnomes, he spotted the figure moving into an alley flanked on both sides by high-walled back gardens. Nathan followed, his feet pounding the dirty cobbles as he continued to give chase. Bowman was gaining ground on the straight run, and the assailant in front of him knew it. Without warning, the figure jumped high into the air, kicking out from one wall before they grabbed a drainpipe and began climbing up, 
before flipping themselves head over heels onto the roof. Nathan stopped and watched as, with impossible dexterity, the figure ran over the roof of the house towards the main market plaza. Doubling back, Nathan found the main street and followed it to the front of the house his target had vaulted. He emerged into the main plaza in time to see the figure sprinting up the steps to the carriage station, getting higher and higher with each passing second. Nathan followed, but he heard a familiar low rumbling sound as he did. A floating train was approaching. He heaved himself forward, pushing past a group of elves as he made his way onto the platform some 50 feet in the air. It was filled with end-of-day commuters, traders. Holding his baton high, Nathan picked his way through the crowd, eyes darting in every direction as he desperately looked for the coat. He looked left, then right, but nothing. The carriage doors opened and people began to filter on and off. Nathan swore as he desperately looked for the coat. Looking at the open doors, he made to step forward but then stopped himself. Looking left, he'd seen the blue duster coat in a heap on the floor. He darted towards it as the carriage door slid shut. Picking it up, he looked through the carriage window at a sea of different people. The train began to pull away as he swore again, tossing the coat to the ground. The figure, whoever they were, had escaped. This has been Tales of Tarthage. This episode was written and edited by Samuel Bradley. The title music was Who Am I to Complain by Alec Michael Wilson. Extra sounds were provided by Zapsplat.com. This was a Starter Set Studio production. <laughs>